What is intellectual property? How do I protect it? And if I don't, can someone come in and steal my ideas? Those are the things we're going to be talking about today uh, with esteemed lawyer Craig Kaiser, uh, a good friend and also a former client. But before we get to that, I don't know about you guys, let me know, but that new music, way better for me. I was digging it, the old uh, little classic rock bent on it. I know Craig's a bit of a music guy too, but I think he's more on the uh, classical side. I'll have to see what he thinks of the new, the new music. If you're watching us on the live stream or YouTube, or you're listening to this on the podcast, don't forget to, to follow us or subscribe or like us, or you could follow us, or you could like us, or you can subscribe with us. Whatever platform you're watching on this, make sure you're, you're, you're subscribing, getting connected with us. We're posting these twice a month. There's lots of content coming out. We don't want you to miss out. Uh, this, this podcast and live stream is all about informing small business owners, five to $25 million a year, giving them advice they might not normally have access to or heck even think about. So today's a great show. We're talking about intellectual property. Um, I ran into Craig. He's an old friend. Uh, I think we met, man, you'll, Craig, when you come on, you'll have to, you'll have to remind me. I know we met through Vistage, but I, I forget how we actually finally connected. But it was a couple of years ago. Uh, I had the great fortune of working on a super interesting project with his law firm, uh, Phillips Kaiser. And Ran into him at a networking event not long ago, and I was like, man, we should really get you on the podcast, on the live stream, and we kind of brainstorm ideas, and he was like, intellectual property is a big one for people, so I thought, that that is great. Let's do it. So, uh, without further ado, let's bring on Craig Kaiser from Phillips Kaiser. Hey, buddy. Hey, how are you doing, Corey? Good. How are you? Good. I, I, hey, I love the music. That love was music. the first question, the most important question. Yeah, and it was very uh, professional, man, the graphics and all that. I loved it. You like it? Did yeah. it have, I, I was like toe tapping and drumming on the desk. <laughs> awesome. So do you remember we met through, it was through Vistage as a whole that we met, but I, I think we kind of just connected, went for lunch and. He, well, yeah, I think uh, Brian Leishinger. Uh, well, there you go. Was the yeah. guy that, that connected us and, and uh, yeah, we hit it off as kind of, kindred views about uh, the business world and the businesses we were in. And yeah, it was a pretty easy, easy fit. Yeah. Very cool. And we have a lot of synergies because uh, Phillips Kaiser, you guys are, you know, have that outsourced legal model and outsourced general counsel, right? Yeah. And we kind of deal in the same client base. Yeah. And, and I, this is, I'm not getting paid for this plug, but I will say, yes, you did help us on a project. I was, we were a client of yours and uh, you did a great job of kind of helping us in thinking about who we were trying to hire in that project and uh, and then went out and found that person. So, yeah, I, I know that's not part of the program, but you'll let me do that, right? I'll take it. <laughs> I have no problem with it. Cool. Um, so I'll, we'll let you plug uh, Phillips Kaiser a bit at the end, but let's jump into this. People don't want to hear us reminisce. So let's talk about this intellectual property. So question number one, what the heck is an intellectual property? How should I be looking at this as a business owner? Yeah. So, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to, this is not going to be like black letter law that, that, that can be pretty boring even to lawyers, but let, let me 
start by yet give us a little bit so that we sort of know the parameters of when we say intellectual property. All right. So intellectual property is in a, in a company, uh, a value that is, um, sometimes it's intrinsic or it's, it's a developed, uh, ideas kind of a thing. Okay. And there are four distinct categories. Um, one has a sub part, but we'll, we'll stick with the four. And I, so I will give very quick little definitions and some of them, you know, pretty well, your, the, the listeners will, and some, I think you don't. Um, so the first one is trademark and everybody knows a trademark is, you know, something that's on a product. The definition, a simple definition is it's the right to use and exclude others from using a specific name or symbol as an indicator of source of origin uh, or sponsorship for goods or services. So example would be the Coca-Cola brand, right? And the way it looks and, you know, with the stylized C's that swoop, you know, and, but then it can also just be the name. Uh, so it can be design or it can be the, the name itself. The other thing about trademark, you can also trademark things sometimes like, um, shapes like the bottle of the Coca-Cola bottle, you know, the classic one that curves and that design uh, or like a, a furniture design might be trademarked. Okay. That's something you could do. Uh, colors can be trademarked in certain instances. UPS has Brown uh, trademarked for trucks on delivery. So interesting. So that's trademark. Second one, copyright. And you hear, you, you think about that. You think about, um, uh, music is copyrighted. Uh, software is another one that's a lot. Uh, but it, it's interesting to note there that source. So you you can when you copyright, you protect the expression of it. So you can protect source code. But I can't protect how this you know how it appears on the screen. Somebody else can go recreate that. They just can't use my source code to do it. But that's a that's a second one is uh, copyright. A third one is patents. And everybody, when they think of IP, they always say, oh, patents. You know, I came up with an idea. I file a patent. It protects it from anybody using it. Um, and it is a right for a limited time to exclude others from using that. Uh, patents have life. They have they have a, a life cycle, correct? And then they become open to others. Is that correct? Yeah. So and I guess I'll, I'll jump back and say a trademark you file, you have to renew it every 10 years. You can keep it forever so long as it, it qualifies, you know, you're, you're renewing it. Um, copyrights last for the author's life plus 70 years. Plus seven, zero? 70, yeah. Okay. Interesting little sidelight on that. The con Congress extended that like every five years for a, a long period of time. And the reason was, Every time Mickey Mouse came up for expiring, the Disney lobby would push would lobby Congress to extend the period uh, for copyright to keep that very valuable asset Mickey Mouse from going into public domain. So, um, patents go twenty years from the from filing, uh, and then the last one is a trade secret, and that's one I think we ought to spend a moment on. Today, okay. trade secret is right to use it and exclude others from using it. And there's no filing involved. It's the you have to keep it secret 
and it has to have economic value to you, uh, you, the owner. Uh, and that's really it. But so it sounds like, well, it sounds kind of weak. It's actually can be very strong. In fact, I should say we were talking about Coca-Cola. Their most valuable asset is the formula and yeah. it's a, it's a trade secret and they, they keep it very famously secret. And so that has no expiration so long as it remains secret. And so you would protect that with like uh, NDAs? It, it, NDAs are a key element. Uh, you control it. You protect it by access. Who gets to see it? Do they have a reason to see it? Uh, if somebody leaves the company uh, that that had that, IP, that uh, access, uh, you make sure you let them know and their future employer know that, hey, you know, he knows information that's our company owns. And we'll, if you're, if you're really nervous, you might tell them, we expect you him to respect that and you as the company to respect that. So what I'm, I think what I'm hearing is you, there's a collection of activities you need to take to show that you were trying to keep it. You were doing everything you could to keep it secret. And all of those activities as a whole are what make it a trade secret and protect it. That's right. And that it's valuable, you know, so you can't just make up things, but yeah, it has to have a value. Those are the, that's the definition, but yes, you're right. It's process more than anything else about trade secret. So you can't file for a trade secret. No, no. In fact, so I will say the difference patents, for example, you're telling the world what it is. You're filing it with the patent office. You know, if I wanted to develop my own uh, patent, I can go out there and see who's done what, and I have to design around it. So that's a that's known. This is has to be kept secret, and nobody know. You know, nobody sees what you're doing. And I, I guess you know you wouldn't patent the Coca-Cola recipe because after 20 years it becomes public domain. Absolutely. Or that that that's that's probably the biggest reason. And then the other is. If somebody can actually see the recipe, well, they can tweak around it a lot easier, you know, as opposed right. I'm sure they yeah. know what the general ingredients are, but they don't know the recipe, you know. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And so as, I, as I'm hearing this, especially the, um, you know, the, what was the last one called again? It escapes my mind. Uh, trade secret. Trade secrets. You know, if I had a software company or uh, I'm just trying to think as a business owner, or I had a a process that that I was selling to someone, um, keeping that a trade secret might be advantageous rather than trying to protect it with a patent or a trademark. Yeah, and it, it, it yes, and it's a lot uh, it's a lot easier, less expensive to do. For and, you know, for everything's not patentable, but everything you find valuable that's secret and creates, you can define that as trade secret. But it sounds to me like you need to be more consistent and diligent around a trade secret. You can't just all of a sudden say, well, that was a trade secret. And they say, well, how did you try to protect it? Well, I told them not to tell anyone that probably wouldn't carry a lot of weight. That's exactly right. You won't win that. You will not, you know, when you sue them for misuse of your trade secret, you will lose that case because it comes down to, how did you well, show me the steps that you take to protect that from being disclosed? And if it's if you don't have a good, tight record there documented, uh, I'm guessing 
documented for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I say that, yes, but they, it's I, it also is not, this is something any company can do. The smallest company can do this. Right. So it's not onerous, but it is, it needs to be intentional and uh, uh, held to, you know, rigorously. Okay. So what in your experience are the kind of mistakes, the biggest mistakes that a business owner might make around intellectual property? So the biggest one, and I think when we talked about what would, what would we talk about on a, on a, this is it right here. The biggest mistake is small, small business owners think, well, I don't have any intellectual property. That's the biggest mistake. They don't, they think I, I'm not, I'm not creating, you know, new designs for engines or any, you know, they think patents and everybody should have some level of trade secrets. So, you know, Corey, whatever you're doing in your, you know, what, what, what's your approach to pricing, to getting customers, to, you know, your vendor list, to, uh, you know, your five steps of engaging with a customer, any, any of those kinds of things that create strategic advantage for you that make key hire. This is something I can go, you know, go in and sell, you know, that's a trade secret and you should really consider protecting that. Um, if not one of the other ways, but that's the biggest error I think right there. And so can you, is there, I totally get that one, but might there be some other ones out there that people would be surprised about? Uh, yeah. Another big mistake would be um, when you have employees developing things as a part of their business. Sure. Yeah. You, this is you, always an interesting conversation, right? Because yeah, they go, they well, I created it, but I was paying you to create it. But, but he, uh, it, 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 each is a little different, but in copyright, um, the, the person who created it by common law owns it unless you have a contract, it's called a works made for hire in copyright that, that expressly says if I, you know, I've hired by you and if I do this kind of work, uh, blah, 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 the company's going to own it. Um, it patents too. In a patent, you, the, de the developer may be an owner of it and the, the employer would have a right to use it, but they don't have, they're not the owner of it that could go sell it to somebody else, unless you have an agreement in place uh, up front that says that the company's going to own that. And that doesn't just apply to employees either. That applies to contractors that do work for you as well. So this, so this raises a really important question because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, we have an employment agreement so that clearly says you're working for me and I'm paying you to do this work on my behalf. That's what you would think. Yeah. What I think I'm hearing is that's not enough. Right. You need a more, it needs to have an express uh, uh, conveyance of any IP that's developed. You know, that if I, if IP that's developed will be owned by the company and it, that agreement also says that the employee will assist in anything that needs to be filed because sometimes as an inventor on the patent, for example, they may need to sign off on documentation for that. So the agreement includes that kind of language in it. Okay. So now that's, I think that's incredibly valuable on its own, but 
is there a way if you're hiring an engineer or you know a chemist or a something to include does this need to be done on a project basis or can we include this form i'm in a, i'm a small business owner and i'm hiring an engineer to work on an electrical widget for my as one of my clients would say daryl my flex capacitor right <laughs> and so can I include a document in my hire package that they would sign off that would cover me off on that? Or do I need to take care of this on a project by project basis? No, it, it, it can cover the full engagement and it can be right off in the, in the initial sign on with the employee. And it, and it doesn't, yeah, you don't need to have a full employment contract. Sometimes people don't want that, but you do, need that IP assignment uh, uh, that is an agreement that needs to be signed. And it, and you make a good point too, Corey, another, uh, it gets much trickier if you don't do it at the time of hiring, because so let's say once I've hired you and you're doing work for me and a year later I go, Oh, I need to get him to sign that. All right. So I can't slide that under your nose and say, now sign this because a contract has to have, mutual consideration. I give something of value to you and you to me. And you're already, so in, if I do it at the beginning, it's considered a part of the hiring of you in the exchange for a job, you yeah. get that. But so what you, what you have to do, and it's not as clean, but one thing you can do is if you are, let's say you are giving bonuses or something, you might tie that in with, a bonus, uh, uh, you know, an annual bonus or something, but you need to try to dress it up somehow to look like, no, there is consideration here for me having them sign uh, that agreement. So am I hearing you? It's, there needs to be something other than, hey, this is part of your job. I'm paying you a weekly or biweekly salary to do this. Um, but if you give them a special task, I need you to create something new that will become part of our IP. Upon completion, you will get a $5,000 bonus. Or once it's a, we, we make filings for whatever we're going to do with it, or the patent is approved, you would receive something in addition for that work. Okay, no. I'm, I, let me, yeah, that's, let me clarify. I didn't, I didn't say that well. So, I, or I didn't hear it very well. Either way. Either way. We So but this is an important distinction. All right. So all I'm saying is if you have them sign it when they initially hire on, you don't have to pay them extra for that. Okay. okay. It's just employment is enough. I'm giving you employment. Right. All right. Now, what I'm saying is, and, and then so, and even if their job changes down the road in your company, and they weren't doing design work and now they are, as long as they signed that at the front end, you're fine. Okay. But if you didn't do that, and let's say a year later, you realized I should have had, you know, I, I this guy's doing things and, or I talked to a lawyer and he tells me I should have, uh, I don't own these things unless I get this assignment. I need to get them to sign it. All right. At, if you do that, now you can no longer say it's about employment. Now you have to give an additional something you one have to time. Tie it to an incentive or performance yeah. or an incentive. Uh, yeah, to sign it. Yeah, okay. that's all. And is it 
so I just want to I just want to walk through a couple different scenarios because so would it be if you sign this I'll give you money or if you sign this when it's complete you will have earned an incentive or does it matter? Uh, it's really um, it's I think it's it's really uh, uh, atmospherics a little bit. It's sort of like I'm gonna you know we're giving you this bonus. Oh, Matt, Craig froze up on us. Matt, are we still uh, are we still going? Matt, can you hear me? Oh, Craig, you're back. You froze okay. up on us there. Okay. Uh, you were saying it was atmospheric. Yeah. I, all I'm saying is there does need to be a sense of quid pro quo. Okay. It does need to tie your signing to this bonus. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter when they get that bonus. You could structure it. However, there's a million different ways to structure that incentive. Yeah. It just needs to be a value that makes sense. $50 probably doesn't make it, but if you, yeah. you know, if you pay them 5,000 or a thousand or whatever's, you know, significant in that space. And it probably would depend on the scope of the work they're doing as well. And we are having some connection issues. Hopefully you'll come on back here, Craig. So just kind of what I'm hearing from Craig while we're waiting for him to come back is, you know, when you're when you're getting them to sign off on this document, which seems super important to me, is um, if you don't get it done at the initial startup, which it sounds to me, and once we get Craig back, it'll be uh, good to get him to, to uh, confirm or not, but to have something in your startup package, in your offering that says, hey, anything you create while you're working for us will be the property of our company. And then um, you can cover yourself up a bit. But if you haven't done that in the past, you're going to need to go back and present this to them, but it can't be under duress. You can't say, hey, I need you to sign this now, even though you're halfway through the project or you've completed the product a project and you've created something super important to my business. Now I need it. And um, you almost kind of have to come to a negotiation probably would be easier if it's not completed yet. So they don't understand the value of what it is. Uh, but uh, if you have, if you have information that you're, uh, is in work, in progress, you probably want to make an, an arrangement so you own that IP when all is said and done. Now, I don't know if this is my connection or not. Matt, do you have any idea if it's coming from my end or Craig's end or where it's coming from? No, huh? Um, okay, well, we're still waiting for Craig to get dialed back in here. Um, so super interesting. Uh, we'll have to, hopefully we can get him back on to wrap this up. But if we don't, Craig, oh, I see him back here. Is he there? Hey, did you hear my summary by any chance? No. Okay. So what I was saying is it sounds like a great idea to include in your hire package, a document that just says anything you create while you're working for us as property of the company. Yeah. And they can call you to get you to create that document. Yeah, because it, there are, it's not some huge document, but there are sort of some terms of art to it that sure. ought to be in there. Yeah. But and yes, secondly, if, if I have some stuff 
people are creating for me and it's work in progress, I need to be going to those people and saying, hey, I just figured out I should probably have you do this. Let's kind of come to terms on what it would be. And my thought was, if they've already completed the product and they can see the value of the product to your business, getting them to sign the rights away to that will probably be more expensive after they understand the value compared to while they're creating it and trying, they're not thinking of that, right? Once it's done, you say, great, now I need it. I'll give you five grand. And they say, you're going to make millions off this thing, right? Yeah. So what do you, I guess, what do you, earlier is better. And what do we do once we get to that end point where you're like, maybe there's some people watching they're like, oh shit. Yeah. I, you you know, I've had this happen a few times and, and, and I do think you've got to think through it in each case, you know, like, uh, you know, you don't, I think a lot of times employees are just as clueless on this as employers. And as soon as you come to them and say, Oh, by the way, I need you to sign the rights of that over. They're going to get curious. Yeah. And so I do think, I, I do think, but, but a lot of times I think they think the employer owns it. And I think sometimes you, create, I would come at it a little bit with a tone of, we need to do some corporate cleanup as a part of our business. And one of them is I've got to get a clear statement that what we paid you for, we own. And, you know, I come at it that way with that kind of language, as opposed to, gee, you really own this because everybody knows we were doing this, you know, in a way that we would own it. Now, depending on how valuable it is, a lot of times it doesn't seem that valuable you know, in the front end, um, you know, you, you might just, like I say, give them a bonus and you, you take it. If it's some super valuable thing, maybe you say, hey, look, you know, for the stuff you've developed, we'll do a percentage or, you know, this is where I think it gets pretty specific if you have to start cutting a deal. And it uh, sounds like that would be a fairly sophisticated uh, product or widget that you would have created at that point, right? Yeah. And you might have a, a a designer there or somebody who is a little more aware of what their rights are. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is the further along the process these people are to creating uh, IP for your company, the more there's a need to reach out to a guy like you to say, I might be in a bit of a pickle here. What's the best way to maneuver this? Yeah. And, and yes, I think that's right. And I would say, even if you don't think you've got a lot of IP that's been generated, that might be a better time to go ahead and if you, you know, if you need to get control of what's being developed in your shop, you know, do it before it's generated, you know, don't. So I think just right at startup, you should just include, if, if you're running any, any, any type of business, you should just have a form in your startup package that says, Hey, anything you create while you're here is yeah. kind of we yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, here I am. I'm a small business owner. I'm listening to this. I'm having multiple heart attacks thinking, <laughs> Oh God, I missed out on this. Um, how do, what do I do? What's, what's my first step to kind of cleaning up my, my backyard and making sure I own, how do I, there first step I make to start protecting what should be mine. Yeah. So first step is take stock of what you think your intellectual property is. Okay. And what does that mean? Uh, it generally means 
what is it that is of value in my business? You know, uh, is, is it my brand? Is it uh, the stuff we're creating on the shop? All these things we talked about. What What is valuable? And sometimes the way to think about that is what if I sell this, you know, my intent is to sell this company in five years or 10 years or whatever. Who would buy that? And what do they, what will they value in it? You know, because, and there's a, that serves several functions, not the least of which is IP, but, you know, um, you know, if you, uh, sometimes you'll see people who build a business and they build it around themselves and their super ability to sell and they have all the relationships. Well, that's a hard business to sell because, I got to go with it, you know, and what you really want to do is sell it to somebody, you know, you take it and you go pay me for it. IP is a great way to enhance value that you can transfer. Okay. So if you keep those things trade secret, you know, that somebody values, like this is why this company is good to have. It's got a very valuable trademark. It's got, you know, great brand recognition. All, you know, then that's a, that's a first step. What is valuable? here. Okay. And then that helps you also focus sometimes in your business and get away from, I'm just trying to sell as many of these as I can and really, okay, the real value in this business is this. And so I really need to continue to develop in those areas. So what's valuable to you is a first step. And, and I, as you were saying that I had this vision of shark tank, right? Like, cause people are selling these great business and they're like, do you have a patent? Uh, no, it's not our technology. I'm out. Yeah. Right? We're leasing the technology. But when people say, yes, it's patented, they're like, okay, because now we can license and do all kinds of different things. So it kind of shows whether it's real world or not. I don't know, but no. the value of owning your IP. That is so right, uh, Corey. So it's identifying it and then documenting it, protecting it. So depending on the type of IP, does it slip? I mean, do you go get a patent or two? Patents are kind of expensive, but for small companies, the fees are reduced. Uh, but 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 that's a if it's a good patent, it's super valuable. You know, if, yeah. If you're making one specialized product, and you're the only one who can do it or knows how to do it, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Or or it might be of some value to you but to a bigger company that could use that in what they're trying to do in their much bigger business, it may be way more valuable to them sure. than it is in your little business. So, so documenting and we talked about trade secret process documentation, you know, whatever you, you, that is what you need. So when that buyer comes along for your business uh, you can say, this is what I own. And this is the, you know, this is how I define my trade secret. This is, a, these are my patents. This is the, you know, I have rights from all the employees. You've got that documentation. That's, that's what you need to do. So identify it, document it. Cool. And the one thing I wanted to ask you that I, I kind of didn't, but is um, if I don't protect my IP, can someone take it and, pr and protect it under their name? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, now uh, there's, it's a little more complicated answer than that, but the bottom line is, yeah, if you don't protect it, you don't really, you, your rights are limited. Now, you know, like in a trade in trademarks, there's a common law. If you start using it, like you use key hire, you know, it may be, you have that right in it. So far in the space you're in the location, but if somebody else is using it uh, and they file 
file with the Patent and Trademark Office, you've got a real problem. So, uh, but there are some rights without filing in some instances, but I would not take comfort in that in any of these areas. Well, yeah, uh, patents, trademarks, and copyrights. You need cool. to you need to protect it by filing. So, Craig, if I'm a business owner and I'm thinking, okay, first things first, I need to include a document in my startup package that says anything created on for the company is owned by the company, or I have people working on projects and I need to have conversations with them, or I have people that have created something for me that's completed and I need to figure out how I can reel that back in. How do I reach you and get in touch with you to have those conversations? Okay. Uh, one I'll also, I need to make sure in that, in that employment agreement you talked about, or is you need to have a, a requirement of confidentiality with that protects your trade secrets, right? So an employee is bound to hold in confidence things that they're exposed to. All right. See, that's, so, that's why they need to reach out to you. Yeah. 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 So, all right. So can reach me at my law firm is Phillips Kaiser and that's P H I L L I P S. This is, this is where we put Matt to the test. Let's see. Oh, good. He can put it up. Okay. Let's see if he can flash it up. Let's go, Matt. Hey. Here you go. Okay. So C Kaiser at Phillips Kaiser.com or my number 713-955-2742. Give the number one more time. 713-955-2742. Come on, Matt. Ah, it's a, he's got oh, a phone numbers. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, good. Email anyway. That's there good enough. Go. That's good right there. That gets it. Kaiser at phillipskaiser.com. Awesome, man. This has been, we ran over, but this, this is, I got to think this has been super, I've learned a ton. That's Good. why I love doing these. But yeah. as a business owner, if I was listening to this today, I, I would want to be reaching out to you and saying, I need help. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I appreciate the, and I, I apologize for the dropping out. I, that's not I don't fun. Know. Oh, well, what can you do? Hey, man, yeah. thank you so much. So thank great you. having you on here. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate you carving out some time to us spend with us. Thanks a lot, Corey. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Craig. Right. Man, that was awesome. Uh, so much good information. I've had those conversations with them before too, but never that broad and kind of trying to get that understanding. So if you are a small business owner, you need more information than that, absolutely reach out to Craig. Uh, best guy. He'll take the time and walk you through it. And uh, what you see is what you get. Um, with him. So what you saw in this is exactly the way he'll deal with you professionally as well. Uh, he's a total pro. Before we sign off, um, like, subscribe, share, be a part of the community, help us spread the word. We're trying to do good work for small business owners and any of your help would be appreciated. You can always, if you have questions about your own uh, talent strategies or hiring or um constraints within the business or operational efficiencies, deficiencies, you can schedule a consultation and we're happy to walk you through any of that good stuff. No weirdness, no sales, just help. We're a help first organization. We have a YouTube channel. Oh, we got podcasts. So our podcasts go out on alternate weeks from the live stream. So you can listen to us on all the major uh, streaming um, providers, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, uh, Audible, Key Hire Solutions, uh, Small Business Podcast. What else we got, Matt? 
YouTube. Oh, ebook. You can. We got an ebook on how to build your uh, hiring and interviewing process to to get it right the first time. Hiring is a dangerous game. It's the most important thing you can do, and we put together a comprehensive guide so you can get it right and get the people you need. Do we have YouTube, Matt? Check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's sad. We need subscribers. We need love on YouTube. Go to YouTube, Key Hire Solutions, and uh, subscribe to our channel as well. Uh, our next show, I know we have something really cool coming up, and um, we are talking to Paul Pelosi and about uh, his business. And what is the name of it, Matt? Do you remember? Escapes me. I'm, I'm gapping out. It's called... Anyway, we'll be sending out some information about it, but it's going to be awesome. Paul's a great guy, um, and it should be a super interesting conversation, and it's a great resource for business owners to bring in entry-level employees, especially kind of in the professional side of the business, super affordable and a great way to source uh, entry-level employees uh, with education and some uh, good backgrounds as well. So until next time, we'll see you in two weeks. Stop grinding, start growing. Thanks for tuning in.